Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Have you ever seen something good come out of a bad situation? We all will go through times of pain and suffering in our lives, so the question is this, how do we spiritually prepare ourselves to handle those times? Here's David in part two of a message he calls Jesus on how to handle pain. When you're going through pain, it's when we often draw nearest to God. So draw near to hear He wants to speak to you with His voice. And God does whisper in our pleasure, but He uses a megaphone in our pain. That's what C.S. Lewis said. When we're going through great times, we can't hear the voice of the Lord much. But when we're going through painful times, God's voice is like a megaphone if we'll pause long enough to hear it. Next, don't blame God for the enemy's work. When you're going through a tough, difficult time, Jesus would say to you, do not use this as an opportunity to blame God for what is really the devil's work. Again, look at verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. On that cross, Jesus is going to judge the sin of this world. It's going to go all upon him, and he is going to judge it. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. On that cross, Satan and all of his wiles and powers will be defeated by Jesus. In Genesis 3, God gave all power and authority to Adam, the keys of the garden, to oversee everything. And then the evil one, Satan, came and tempted Adam and Eve, and they declared they wanted to be God. At that moment, when they made that declaration and ate of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they gave the keys of power and authority of this world to Satan himself. That's why Jesus here calls Satan the ruler of this world. And so from that time onward, the enemy has been trying to kill, steal, and destroy God's once perfect created order, now on that cross. Jesus says, this work that I'm going to do, taking all of the sins upon my body, it's going to break the power of the enemy. He's no longer going to be the ruler of this world. I rule. And those who believe in me can speak my name, Luke 10, 18, and crush the head of the enemy. In 1 John 4, 4, The one who lives in us who believe in Jesus is greater than he who lives in the world. Another verse from 1 John, that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil. So you need to know that whenever pain and suffering happen, the enemy's the one who's caused it. The enemy's the one who's caused it. Don't blame God for the pain you're going through. God created this world perfectly so that there would be not pain and suffering. But because of the enemy's wiles and his work, he has caused the destruction of this world, killing and stealing. That's his work. So look from where all the pain and suffering comes. But also realize that Jesus went to the cross to defeat the power of the enemy. So if he's counseling you today in your pain and suffering, he's saying, you trust the Father and you go to him and you let me live in and through you. I'm more powerful than he is. He cannot touch you. Your soul belongs to me. Trust me, the enemy has been defeated and don't blame God anymore for this pain. For when you start blaming God, you start complaining to God and all faith dissipates. Jesus just doesn't want that to occur. Also, number seven, keep looking at the cross. Look at verse 32. Jesus said, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, 
will draw all people to myself. Now, that's an interesting insight into a passage in the book of Numbers where poisonous snakes started biting the people because of God passing his judgment upon them for their disobedience. God says to Moses, take a snake, make it into a bronze snake, wrap it around a pole and hold it high. And God said to Moses, when you hold it high, tell the people to look at that bronze snake. And if they do look at it lifted high, they will be made well. Now you know why a lot of hospitals and physicians still have that bronze snake wrapped around a pole as their sign of healing. And interestingly, here Jesus compares himself to that bronze snake. He says, as I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Now some people think, well, does this mean that everybody is going to come to faith in Jesus one day? No. It means that Jesus will draw all different kinds of people. In the Greek, that's what this all means. He'll draw people from all different tribes and ethnicities and colors of skin. He'll draw all kinds of people unto himself. So when you're going through a really tough time, keep looking at the cross. There is ultimately perhaps your physical healing, for there is power in the cross of Christ. We see that in the Bible, that when people pray in the name of Jesus through the cross of Calvary, there have been people healed through the ages. There's not a guaranteed physical healing by that cross, but on the other hand, there is the guaranteed spiritual healing. So when you're going through difficult times, maybe even facing death, keep looking at that cross. As Jesus was lifted up, keep looking at Jesus on that cross and know that he has granted you healing ultimately in your spirit through the gift of eternal life. And moreover, one other thing, as you look at Jesus lifted up and you're going through difficult times, realize that Jesus is suffering with you as you're going through that tough time. One of the reasons I believe in Jesus as God in human flesh and why I'm a Christian is I believe in God on a cross, that God entered into my human suffering with me and is caring for me amidst my pain and suffering, and Jesus is reminding us of that truth as well today. Number eight, Jesus said, just look at the next step. Just take the next step. Verses 33 through 36. Jesus said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. While, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Here's what Jesus is saying. While I'm with you, follow me in the darkness of your lives. I'll take you to the next step. You know, when you are in the midst of total darkness, what do you need? You need a light. And oftentimes that light will only show you the next step, especially again if you're in total darkness. That's what Jesus is saying here. For those of you who are going through tough, difficult times... Just trust me that I am the light of the world. You are my son or daughter in the light, and I may only show you the next step, but I'll show you that next step. And when I show that to you, make sure you take that next step. And eventually, as you follow me in your darkness, I will lead you to total light where you will feel the security that you need to feel. What's interesting is next, Jesus had said these things. He departed and hid himself from them. He left and hid himself. No more dialogue with them. 
Just like when we're going through tough times, sometimes it, feel like, it feels like Jesus has left us and hid himself. But if Jesus has hid himself, folks, there's a reason he's hid himself. To simply ask us to walk with him when things are shrouded or dark and just trust him in every possible way. You know, our dear friend Katie this week has fallen into a great despair. Her body is being eaten alive by the cancer and the family is distraught as I and other hopesters are distraught as well. And we, we don't have answers um, as we try to care for her and the family. It seems like God has hidden himself from them, that he's not hearing their prayers. And all I can say is it seems that way, but God's not. That the secret things of God belong to God, and one day we will understand. We look through a mirror dimly, but one day we'll see him face to face. In Psalm 130, the psalmist cried out, Out of the depths I cry to you, O God. And out of the depths of our hearts we cry out to you, O God, about Katie. And it just seems like God has hidden himself. But just because it seems that way doesn't mean he has. And if, it ha if he has, it's only for a moment to give us the revelation when we need it to keep stepping forward in faith. So please keep praying for Katie as she seeks God, her family seeks God in this time of dire need. So just the next step is revealed to us. Then verses 37 and 38, number 9, God is with you no matter what. Look at these verses. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I love that. The arm of the Lord has been revealed to us who believe. When you're going through a tough time, I think Jesus would quote from the prophet Isaiah and tell you the arm of the Lord has reached down to you. Just take his hand. You know, when you're with your children in a crowded marketplace and you're fearful that they might run away and get lost, what's the surest way of making sure that happens? By yelling at them, saying, don't run away, don't run away? No. The best way is reaching your arm down and taking their hand and holding it tight. You need to know that that's what Isaiah is saying here. That's what Jesus is saying here. In the midst of your pain and suffering and the difficulties that you have, feel the Father reaching down with his hand and holding your hand. He will not let go. He will guide you in your darkness into light. And then also we see that the promise Jesus gives us in verses 39 and 40, that pain will show you oftentimes the condition of your heart. Uh, look at these verses. Verse 39, therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. He's talking about the Israelites, how in their darkened state, as God continued to try to reach his arm down, they continued to reject him. And here we have the statement that God hardened their hearts. Now remember, this is the Passover celebration, and Jesus remembers with everybody who's there with him what the Passover meant. Remember, God had brought his series of judgments upon Pharaoh because he wouldn't let the people go, and Pharaoh would then relent and let the people go, only then to change his heart again. What's interesting, as you read the book of Exodus and this story, ten times Pharaoh hardens his own heart, ten times God hardens his heart. And if you continue to harden your heart, especially when you're going through pain, eventually your heart will become so hardened it can't choose God anymore. It won't receive his grace anymore. And here Isaiah is basically saying about the Jews that they had chosen against God for so often that their hearts had become hardened and God had to then reject them and take the gospel to the Gentiles. 
When you're going through pain, dear friends, that pain will show you whether your heart is compassionate toward God or angry at God. And if you are angry at God, you'll keep rejecting him amidst the pain. But if you are soft toward God in any way, the pain will draw you closer to him. Remember this illustration. The same sun that melts ice is the same sun that hardens clay. The pain is the sun. And if your heart is tender toward God, it will only make you more tender toward him as you seek him like Jesus here is counseling. But if your heart is far from God, it will only make you angrier. So one of the benefits of pain, I think Jesus would say to us in a counseling session, is it's revealing whether your heart is hard or soft or not. And then also we see number 11 here that we need to understand pain allows us to see who our true friends really are. I'm going to skip verse 40 and 1 and come back to it. 42, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. When you're going through difficult times, you will see who your true friends are. Supposed friends who are silent amidst your pain aren't really your friends. And that's what was happening here with Jesus. Uh, A lot of people said they believed in him, but when push came to shove, they wouldn't speak about him. They wouldn't truly let their faith be known about him. And that's what's happening a lot in our culture today as they were in this culture afraid to speak out for Jesus out of fear of being excommunicated from the synagogue, many people today are afraid about speaking out for Jesus because they don't want to be canceled in our culture. Dear friends, true followers of Jesus love him no matter what. They love him in good times and bad times. They love him when the purpose of God's being revealed. They love him when the pain of God comes to them. Pain is a way that God can allow us to see who our true friends really are. And those who really love Jesus will speak out for him and come to our aid unashamedly and say, I'm with Jesus and I'm with you during this time of need. So celebrate that time when you're going through difficult times to realize that God may be revealing who your true friends actually are. And finally, what would Jesus say to us as we're going through tough times? I think there's a 12th thing he would say, and that is the reminder that he's king. Verse 41, John, the writer of this gospel, interjects an interpretation of all that's going on after Isaiah had been quoted. He quotes another part of the scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah talked about God hardening the heart of the Israelites and then giving his life to Gentiles because of his great love for the world. And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. Let me go there with you right now. A fascinating section of scripture that I want all of you to know about. Isaiah the prophet was given a glimpse of glory. He was lifted up from earth into the heavens. And let me read Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is filled with his glory." 
So God lifts up Isaiah into heaven, and he gets a glimpse of glory, gets a glimpse of the throne room, and here in this verse 41 in John 12, John interjects that Isaiah said these things, quoting from the previous verses, because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who's the his and the him there? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. John said that the reason he quoted from the book of Isaiah was because Jesus was the one seated on the throne when he was lifted up into the heavenlies. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that the angels surrounding the throne sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What's my point? In the midst of your pain and suffering, the final thing Jesus would remind you of, and me too, is he's king. He's the glorious ruler over all of the world. He oversees your pain. He's using it for good. He promises to do so. And if you believe Jesus is in control of everything, not just a few things, but everything, that he's the king that Isaiah saw when he was lifted up from earth into the heavens, you can trust him in every area of your life, with every second of your life. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. And if we had one hours of a counseling session with Jesus, as he faced the cross and he gave us these insights, he would say to us in our pain, these 12 things, and somehow, somehow, I really believe we can glorify, render a good opinion of Jesus in our pain and help draw the world closer and closer to Him. To Jesus alone and always belongs all of the glory. Amen and amen. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Happy wife, happy life. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with biblical insights on keeping a harmonious home. We'll be right back. What do you do when you began drinking at ages 10 to 12? Where can your life go when you started abusing drugs at ages 13 to 15? You want to be part of the fabric of society, yet you emotionally stop maturing the day your addiction took over your life at the tender age of 12. I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission, and we have served people who have stood at the intersection of homelessness and addiction for well over 80 years. But what is it that they really need? Well, beyond building a foundation of long-term sobriety in their life, how does one obtain the life skills they never learned but desperately need to thrive in society? You know, they should have learned them growing up, but now they're an adult. What do they do? And where do they go? Let me tell you where they come. Community Matters Cafe is more than just good food and house-roasted coffee. It's an extension program of Charlotte Rescue Mission that is transforming lives. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community. You know, and after men and women graduate from Charlotte Rescue Mission's 120-day Rebound Men's and Dove's Nest Women's Residential Programs, they have the option to enroll in the Life Skills Program at Community Matters Cafe. And during the six-month program, students learn a variety of critical skills in a restaurant setting that help them get and keep long-term employment. Community Matters Cafe is located diagonally opposite the Panther Practice Fields at the corner of Cedar and West First Street. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church in this important life-changing ministry in our community.
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Jen. It's great to be with you as well. Well, David, you titled this morning's Moment of Hope, Happy Wife, Happy Life. I I really (laughs) like the sounds of this, but I have a feeling there's a David twist to it. Well, let me see if I can give that and even uh, ask you for some help on it, Jen. Uh, It's a saying that's been around for a while, and whenever it's said, everybody nods their head with maybe a few smirks or pieces of laughter as well. So why do people keep saying this truth? Wives most often set the temperature of the home. Often, they are the ones there who keep the household running smoothly, nurturing, caring for, and expressing love to everyone in the family. And moms are most often the ones home with the children. If a wife is happy, so is the mood of the home. So, Jen, let me ask you specifically, when you're up, is your home life generally more joyful? Yes, 100%. (laughs) When you are discouraged, or down, what's it like in your home? Wow, it's totally different. It really is. Mm. It's, they're discouraged around me. Yeah, you do set the temperature of especially the little ones around you. And I can tell you that when husbands come home, they can feel mm-hmm. if that's what's going on. And I do need to admit here, there are working women who do come home. And if they're tired, you have the same phenomenon occur. Women most likely set the mood and the temperature of the home either positively positively or negatively. Joyful wife, joyful home. Peaceful wife, peaceful home. Grace-filled wife, grace-filled home. When a husband has such a wife, he can say in Proverbs 31, 29 language, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. And here I give a shout out to my Marilyn who tried so hard to set a positive mood in her home while pursuing master's degrees, while working at crisis pregnancy centers in our kids' young ages. She always provided a home where she tried to be joyful to set the mood of a joy-filled home. So when a wife feels cherished in this way by her husband, she can love freely, creating a happy life in the home and beyond. Husbands and children should never forget this eternal maxim, happy wife, happy life, for everyone. I love this so much. And just recently, Chris and I went out on a date night and I brought a little list of questions, conversation starters, if you will. And one of them was that we would both answer was, when do you most feel loved by me? And we took turns answering that. And Chris's answer was, when I am in a bad mood and you provide that stable love coming towards me, embracing me, or just pursuing me out of that moment of despair, I feel the most loved by you. And so the proof is right there. Wow, Jen. That, that's such a great illustration for couples who may be listening right now for them to get away, mm-hmm. be alone. And I love that idea of having a question that both of you ask and answer and create a dialogue between you yeah. so that your trust and love can increase. And as you heard that from Chris, all you want to do then is to be that kind of wife who continues to lift him up when he's going through those difficult times, thus proving our point today yeah. even more so that you give life to him, which only then gives life to your home. Yeah, so good. Thank you so much for these insights today, David. Thank you, Jen Houston, and thank you listeners for joining us today. Please go to Moments of Hope Church where you can subscribe daily to these written moments of hope from my heart to yours to give your day a moment of hope. 
This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moment of Hope delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for those suffering through this pandemic.